Hi everyone, welcome to the All Inclusive podcast, where each week I chat with industry experts and diversity, equity and inclusion executives from the world's leading global brands who share their knowledge, experience and actual takeaways to help inclusive employers create cultures of belonging where everyone can thrive. Today, I've got the great pleasure of being joined by Caroline Burns. She is the Head of Diversity and Inclusion and Talent Acquisition at Middle East and Africa at Ericsson. Hi, Caroline. Hi, thank you so much for having me today. No, thank you for joining me. So why not kick us off by telling our listeners a little bit about you and your journey to where you are today? Yeah, thank you. Um, so yeah, my name is uh, Caroline Burns. I'm originally from Germany. Um, I have a background in, in, in software engineering or information engineering, and um, I learned quite briefly after graduating that I really, really like to work in recruitment. And um, I've been in, in, in talent acquisition for many, many years now. But um, I had 10 years ago, I was working in Switzerland back then, I decided I needed to make a change in my career. And I went to my manager back then, Mike, and I said, I need to do something. I need to change location. I love Switzerland. I love my job, but I need to do something different. And um, I was very lucky. I was able to move with my employer back then to South Africa, where I already had family living. And um, South Africa is so different to Switzerland, obviously. I mean, Africa is a continent and the, diver the diversity the, the country brings. And, while I moved was in talent acquisition in, from Switzerland to then um, Manpower and then to Ericsson, being here and, and, and working with the youth here and, and driving programs like graduate recruitment and things like that, I really felt I needed to do more in the space of diversity and inclusion. And uh, <laughs> I was talking to a colleague uh, last year um, about my journey as well, and she said like, oh, you've been doing diversity and inclusion before, it was actually even hip, before people were talking about it. But somehow this was with my move to, to Africa and seeing the, the differences and having the need to drive things differently um, that started. So yeah, I've been, been working also in addition to talent acquisition, I've been working in diversity and inclusion um, since 2013 now. And um, with that, I, um, you just mentioned my newsletter, I started sharing DNI news, like outside Ericsson, external news with colleagues, just uh, with our DNI council, just with a few people. I think it started with eight people. And now it's thousands of readers every week that, that read the news. And I think this is exactly the same while you were doing your podcast, right? Just to spread the word. And, um, and then people come to me and, and, and tell me why and how they shared something and how they learned something. Um, this is what gives me immense pleasure. And where I think this is actually hopefully making some difference that we can yeah, share a little bit and, and have people think about more how they talk or how they do things, how our managers, how our leaders do things. So yeah, this is what drives me. And this is why I'm so happy that I actually can have both my, both of the areas, talent acquisition that I really enjoy and service and inclusion in one role. Yeah, no, that's great. And so for, for you personally, um, why is it that you're doing, what, what do you feel the importance for you uh, DEI is and why you're doing it? Mm, yeah, so I always um, I always reacted strongly when I saw unfairness somewhere. 
right? And it doesn't matter. And I, I've always been someone who's been like speaking up, but it's it's difficult to do this as one person. But in a corporate environment, that makes a difference because you can actually make a change, right? And um, you can you can drive things like inclusive culture or like little things like inclusive language. And for me, it's important that people feel that they belong. Um, it doesn't matter what their background is, right? And I don't want when I work with people, and sometimes I've been told I have too much empathy, but when I work with people, I want them to feel that it doesn't matter where they come from or what they bring, but that they can just be themselves. And this is also something we, we drive at Ericsson from a cultural point of view, but this is, yeah, I, I feel very strongly about that. So yeah, so maybe too much empathy sometimes, maybe this is what drives me, but yeah, if I can make a small difference somewhere. Yeah, I mean, I think it's important um, to have the empathy um, and to have that human element. I don't think that you can really achieve um, diversity and, and, and an inclusive culture and, and, and workspace um, without really adding that human element into the, the changes or into the projects or initiatives that you're really starting, um, because that's where it's going to stick. I think that's how you can create these changes and for them to actually be sustainable um and it not just be kind of okay this is what we're going to be doing for now mm -hmm. because that's what the trend is um I, I, so I, I I wouldn't discount the empathy side I think it's important <laughs> yeah so the one thing is and that is also something I, I feel quite strongly about so um we we try not to and so at Ericsson but also when I drive my agenda right um, there was always this trend, we do diversity and inclusion because it's hip, or because this is the outcome, or that is the outcome, um, because we know it drives innovation, or because um, it impacts the bottom line. And yes, we know that is all true, but I don't think this is actually the right way to convince people to actually look at DNI and invest in DNI. So we say we do this because it's the right thing to do. It's it's our company. It, this is our purpose, right? And this is where I think people need to rethink how they they talk about diversity and inclusion, right? This is not just to change some numbers, but this is really because we want to have that change. Mm -hmm. And um, there was this great example about uh, <laughs> if you want to have a better sales force, you're not just sending them to two trainings and think that this will change how you sell, right? But you change everything, right? Your bonuses, your, your entire company culture. Um, how do you think this helps when you have two diversity and inclusion classes or send them to one unconscious bias training and you say, okay, thank you very much. This was my tick box. And this is why I'm saying this has to be part of your culture. This has to be something that you drive. Yeah. And I think, um, the times have have been changing there's a number of things that a number of particular events that have have happened um that's really highlighted that that we need to kind of make the change more so now more than ever um and uh there's a number of reports that that have been taking place more recently which are showing some interesting mm -hmm. figures so i mean for example uh microsoft has released their actually their 2022 work trend report um and in that it talks about actually 50 percent of leaders are saying that their company is looking to implement or have plans to implement more full-time in-person work um for the year ahead 
but actually when you look at the reports for what the employees are saying um they're reporting that 53 percent of those employees are actually now wanting to to are more likely to prioritize their well-being um and their health over work um than than before the pandemic um which i think sparked quite a number of of talks about flexible working and hybrid working mm. um and i think one of the things for for dei is is how does that what does that look like so if leaders are saying that well no actually we want you to be in work um but employees are saying well actually i want to prioritize my health and well-being um is hybrid work flexible working is that the way forward to to create these um kind of inclusive environments mm, that's such a good question and this is I think in like one year or two year we will have so much more knowledge around this and so much more studies but I can just just from my side I I keep changing my own personal opinion about this right <laughs> as we go along and as things happen I was always the person who I need to be in the office I need to work with my colleagues lockdown happened and I was like oh I'm fine actually I'm I'm fully okay to work remotely and if we look at pure remote work with everyone being off-site working from anywhere I think that can have a lot of benefits um, if you talk um, if you think of someone um, who has like um, neurological conditions and they just need to be able to step out or take their own time um, this could be someone who needs to balance their days differently and they rather work hours in the morning not so much during the midday and more than later again right or there, there can be so many reasons then of course from an accessibility point of view if you come from a background um, where you do not have the financial um, means yet to move closer to the office because most of the offices of course are more in the city center and you have a much longer journey that impacts you as well right and this pushes you out and i know for example a lot of um, like women of color battle with this right um, if, if we look from a global view um, and remote working allows everyone to be in the same place as long of course the company gives you that accessibility to technology then when you move to hybrid working the challenge is that some people decide maybe they cannot go into that much right again because they don't have the access or they cannot travel these hours or um, that they prefer to work from home and then you have something that is called um, proximity bias so those people who are in the office, who are in the office every day and they see the colleagues and those leaders will definitely benefit from this versus the people who decide to work more um, from home or from, from, from elsewhere. And then, of course, you have what Tesla just did saying, OK, 40 hours a week, you have to be in the office. So that entire change and also, I mean, he was motivating it from a culture point of view. And I was... Until recently, I always thought actually remote is all the way to go. Like everyone remote, everyone on the same page. And then um, I, I love data, right? So I do a lot of data analytics and I read a lot of data. And I looked at numbers where we look at attrition data. And it's quite shocking how um, quick people have been leaving companies in the past two years, especially younger generations. And I think one of the reasons for this is, of course, company culture. And driving company culture when everyone is remote is so much more difficult, right? It, it, 
when I think of my work with Ericsson, I've been here for 10 years. I have my networks. It's so easy for me to reach out to people. I know exactly where to go and what to do. But if someone is new, it's so much harder when you do not meet this person at that desk, but you have to pick up the phone or chat to them and you do not, it's much harder to build up this relationship. right? And this impacts, of course, then um, how you perceive culture and how you learn. So my new view is now that in order to actually help companies drive culture, hybrid is probably the way to go because that allows people at least then, especially our younger generations, to learn and, and be part of a company culture that others have benefited from and new joiners don't. But let's see, maybe in six months or a year's time, I will, I will say that differently. But that just, just has been my findings. And Ericsson is going hybrid or has already gone hybrid, not in South Africa yet, but we've done this in, in other countries. And um, when I hear from my colleagues how much they enjoy it, it's such a pleasure to see. But on the other side, I'm at the moment the one, especially when I'm the one who's not in the meeting, there's so many discussions happening outside the meeting in the room where I'm not part of this. So as a company, when you drive hybrid, it's so important that you also make sure that everyone feels included, right? So th there are a few things um, that you can do. For example, that everyone, even if you, some people are in a meeting, um, in the office and others are outside that everyone has their laptop so everyone sees the chat everyone sees if someone is raising their hand and not just one camera uh, <laughs> and the people who are not in the room are feeling excluded but yeah as i said in six months one year's time or two years time we will have so much more learnings but for now i think this will help company culture yeah I agree. I think um, hybrid is you get the best of both worlds a little bit, I think, mm -hmm. um, with that. And, and you touched on it, but it's also it's a new way of, of trying to, to implement the, the culture aspect. It's, it's a new challenge. Um, and I think what you just recommended, having a meeting that's open where, where everyone's cameras um, are, are, are visible and, and you can see that there's a number of different softwares now that, that are out there where you are able to, to have everybody in, included in the meeting and they can kind yeah. of raise a hand or comment in the chat um, so that they don't feel as though that they're, they're excluded um, and that they're actually exactly. able to really collaborate with one another without actually being physically in the same room. Technology is, is improving and, and is, is, is becoming more and more advanced and it, it's, it's the organizations need to catch up with, with that, I think, and really listen to their employees, um, as you said. Uh, what advice would you give to organizations on how best to manage that uh, flexible hybrid working to, to kind of drive the, to keep that culture? Mm, yeah. So I think the, the, the one thing, and we've been doing that at Ericsson, I think this is very beneficial is to, to speak to your colleagues. Um, so we do um, regular surveys just to understand what people actually want and, and we see if the trend changes and, and what impacts this. But I don't think just talking to them is, 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 is solving everything, right? The, the other thing is, of course, as you just mentioned, is that technology, but also enabling that. So make it completely normal that we have hybrid meetings. Um, lead from the top. So um, not just say this is... Um, yeah, those people can do this, but we have our face-to-face. -face. I mentioned the proximity bias earlier, right? But really make an effort. 
And that, of course, then also goes for those people who have teams that are working in, in several countries that they have to make better effort then to work with everyone. Um, but again, this comes from the top leadership and has to be something that has to be given top down to everyone so people can feel they can actually live this. And it's perfectly fine to decide I want to work from home today. Um, and there's one more thing, and I'm, I'm always have like silently applauding when I see this is when, um, especially when our senior leaders talk about, I need to leave early today because I have to fetch my child. I cannot do this call because this is my dinner time, right? So actually showing people that it's perfectly fine to take your time back and to, to live these values. And if, if a senior leader is happy to do this and shows this, everybody else is happy to do this. But just imagine you're, um, you're two years into the company, this is your first job. You would never dare to do this if nobody else does this, right? So drive this and drive the message that we are actually are not just pretending to be in a hybrid environment or flexible environment, but we actually live this and we talk about our families, we have life outside. I think that's also very important, but you have those, you have to have those leaders who, who do this actually actively. Yeah, no, I, I think um, it, it all kind of starts from the top down, doesn't it? Um, and it and if we can get the, the leaders, the, those people that are in the C-suite positions um, to really role model um, and drive that type of work um and showing to everyone that it's okay to do this it's okay for you to if if life happens sometimes um you know especially for for working mothers and just working parents in general it, there's a number of things that can kind of come up unexpectedly and to know that you have or that you're working within organizations that allows you to be able to take some of that time back when you need it the most can only benefit the organization as a whole because those people will feel valued they'll feel that they can actually really be themselves and it, it can only help with 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 talent retention because at the moment i mean you've talked about uh, there's a number of people that are leaving organizations and the the great resignation um, that that was um, quite a big thing that was going on throughout the pandemic and I think still is there is still a, a number of people and there's reports that that people are still considering about leaving their positions because that they don't feel like they're able to really um, take back that time when they need it the most what would you say for you what what's the impact on talent retention and, and also being able to, to kind of bring talent in that you found with, with Ericsson that's worked the best with also being able to kind of offer hybrid working? When we interview candidates at the moment, so from an attraction point of view, right, um, it's definitely one thing people ask. Um, are, you, are you offering hybrid working? And, and, and as a company, we, we talk about that a lot. From a retention point of view, I also think this is absolutely crucial, but it's, it's not just about the, again, this, this tick boxes, we're doing this, but your entire culture has to be like that, right? And I think this is, this is for everything you do in, in regards to diversity and inclusion. It's um, so many times companies just have this, okay, we try to hire now 30% women, but what happens afterwards, right? And it's the same with trying to drive well-being. It's, uh, you can offer so many things, but if your company culture does not allow this, and again, if you have still these demands of um, 
that, that no one is, or people are too scared to say if they need to take personal time, if, if people are too scared about um, talking about um, mental health, for example, right, or, or just about their families, then of course this doesn't work. So really driving this and not just, just having those tick boxes, but driving this as a company culture is, I think, the most important thing. And this is, it doesn't matter if this is attraction or retention. And so just moving out of, of the talks on, on hybrid working, what's um, one of the projects that you're working on now within um, diversity and, and inclusion that you're most excited about? Okay, I have several. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, I'll, I'll, I'm brief. So one of the things, um, we do a lot of experiments at Ericsson, right? And one of the things I'm really looking forward to is how we impact the recruitment process with nudges to drive um, an unbiased process. So um, very early on, um, this will happen around Q3, but we will see how can we influence our hiring managers in making fairer decisions um, with little nudges. Um, then one other project I'm working on, I'm also really excited about is inclusive language. Um, that is something that is in the tech industry is a huge challenge, right? It's a blacklist, is master and slave. It's so many terms that are actually not inclusive and people use on a daily basis without realizing, without, without even being aware what they're talking about. So we are handling this from a technology point of view at the moment. So how can we change this? And I know a lot of other tech companies do the same, but we also want to go beyond and see how can we make sure that our colleagues are more um, um, careful how they talk about things. And, and this is not about pointing fingers or saying you are wrong, why are you doing this and shouting at people, but more about the realization of what we say and how we say things that um, this can be perceived as, as, as very aggressive. So, I mean, microaggressions is part of that as well, right? And often unintentional or hopefully intentional. And, and changing this, that, that's the one thing. And then the last project is a not Ericsson um, project, but we have a cohort there. Is, uh, we work together with McKinsey on the, um, they have something that is called um, Connected Leaders Academy. So this is an academy where we send um, black leaders from Africa and the Middle East to for a leadership program. And I'm so excited about this because that is something I'm obviously based in, in, in Africa and working across Middle East and Africa, I'm very passionate about because I don't think we have enough people of color working in the tech industry in senior roles. And of course, you might look at then our leadership in, in Africa and you say, yeah, but you have all these, these black leaders already there. But then you look outside, right? And, and you say, okay, but how many are there? And you have exactly the same in the US and in, in, in Europe. So driving this and empowering our leaders to, to build those networks. Um, yeah, so we have one cohort going on with our friends from McKinsey there at the moment. And I'm very, was also very excited. That yes. sounds great. Yeah, so all those three <laughs> projects sound so interesting. And we can probably kind of talk hours on, on each one. Um, one yeah. that I, I, one of the ones we recently just mentioned with the, the project in, in kind of empowering um, and promoting more black leaders um, yeah. in more C-suite positions, especially within tech, it, I, it's definitely something that, that needs to happen. What are some of the challenges that you have already faced with that or you envision that you may face? I did have one question in the beginning and it was more about the understanding, why is it only for black leaders, hmm. right? But then exactly what I told you just now, this is maybe we have a lot of black leaders here 
but overall we don't so we need to change this and i think this is this is one of those areas that are very important um other than that i have not seen anything but what I'm really conscious about, and um, this is as always, we cannot just stop. It's not just we do this and then we say, thank you, you've done this now, but we need to continue with this. So one of those things I've been asking our, our colleagues to do when they're going through this program is to be a mentor and to take one of our um, early career colleagues and that they lift them up, right? And they <laughs> they help them in their career. And of course, we will hopefully have more cohorts coming afterwards. But that is my that is my hope. It's the same when we, we, we talk about, um, we have a new women ERG, for example, we, we want to do the same, right? We need to make sure that our pipeline is there, that we, we, we move people along. And you always, of course, have this whole mentorship versus sponsorship, but at the moment it's just mentoring. And then of course, once they grow a bit in the career, um, also actively sponsor them. So this is my ask from them. I don't envision any issues, but this is of course something I've been looking out for to make sure this is not just the one thing we're doing and then just stopping. I think that's important. Having a, a mentor um, can make the world of, of difference. And I know in past conversations that I've had with, with other leaders like yourself, one of the things that they, they talk about when in their journey is having that mentor having the sponsor involved in in their career because for people of color the cultures that they've come from can only speak from my own personal experience in and um, close friends we don't get taught the tools of of the corporate world and how to excel um from from a young age whereas others that that may well sit in in a position of privilege um those small little kind of coaching or life lessons um are somewhat taught a little bit more through just by having those other family members that are already in in a senior position that can kind of pass down some of those those nuggets of wisdom um and unfortunately um me personally i didn't necessarily have that i'm always kind of looking at and that for me finding a mentor and having a coach really helped me in being able to actually realize well you know what just doing my day job really really well isn't enough it's great to to do that but actually whilst my head is down and I'm working away doing the best that I can do for my role I look up and there's individuals that are have gone surpassed me and it's not because the capability wasn't there it's it's just because I didn't have those particular tools or I didn't have that person in my corner to kind of really say to me no you know what you now need to talk to this person or why don't you ask your manager this whereas that's not something that that, that I was necessarily taught from from a young age which which others may well have um so yeah I, I'm definitely uh, in support of of having a mentor um, and I think that's a great way as well to keep that pipeline in place and, mm -hmm. and to keep it sustainable and, and to kind of keep making sure that that all of the great work that you've put in place continues on and it's the same I mean it's just with with diversity and inclusion as well it's, it's the same sort of thing like you want to make sure that these conversations that are being had now aren't just going to be left on the wayside and that's one of the reasons why I do the podcast is that it's it's somewhere where people can come in and listen and learn on a continuous basis no matter what stage or that they are at in their journey and so we can kind of pass down all of that information to one another 
so yeah I think I think it's great so thank you so much for for the work that you do in Carolina because I think it's going to make such a big difference what do you think from from a DNI perspective for organizations as a whole what are some of the things that you're finding that you feel that they need to to really stop doing to make sure that the work is is actually going to achieve what we want it to mm. achieve hmm yeah that's a good question um so the one thing I, I mentioned earlier and that was a learning for, from, for, for us as well is the entire discussion why you do diversity and inclusion, right? Is it because you're chasing the, the bottom line or because you think this is the right thing to do? And um, I think as a company, I mean, I'm not telling anyone what they should do, what they think the right thing for them to do is, but just analyzing and, and challenging their own thoughts about this um, is probably advisable, right? Because that then also drives um, authenticity, authenticity. And, <laughs> and um, that makes also, again, coming from a talent acquisition and retention point of view, that helps then people also to see what you're doing and, and, and keep up on it. The other thing is, and that is something also that I feel quite strongly about, is um, when people talk about diverse people, but they put them in one bucket. So it's diverse people and others, which is completely, um, I had an email from a recruiter last week who was offering to help me recruit more diverse people. And I thought, what is that? <laughs> what do they actually mean with that, right? Is this women? Is this people of color? Is this neurodiverse talent? What does this mean? Because diversity is so complex. And then you have this stereotypical, um, you talk about this um, white middle-aged man, but he might actually also be part of your diversity bucket because of a disability you cannot see or because of his sexual orientation or something else, right? And this is, I think, so important that when you drive or you have your programs for your employees is that you target that everyone feels that they belong right it doesn't matter what you bring to work what you come with and um we don't know i mean i have i have two small children right so my needs at the moment are of course that um sometimes i need to be flexible right but this was different six years ago and things change life change but i'm still with the same employer so i want to make sure that my employer caters for wherever i am in my journey and i believe this is something employees want or, or also candidates want so that's that's the other thing maybe for for companies to stop thinking in buckets and stop thinking about this is our women hires, right? because then you also have this discussion she was only hired because she's a woman which is completely like come on this is, she was hired because she, she had the talent, right? She had the potential. Um, uh, and so stop thinking in these buckets, but think it from a much more inclusive point of view. Uh, so that's, that's also my learning or my view from, from driving it, both from a talent acquisition point of view, but also driving the DNI agenda um, within the Middle East and Africa. Thanks so much for that, Caroline. And just to, um, I just want to loop back with our listeners. By the way, Caroline has got a weekly newsletter that she sends out, um, which is focused within diversity and inclusion. And it, it goes across a number of different topics and um, what's happening at the moment. Um, I, I'm just curious to, to know, kind of with this newsletter, where, where do you feel like, where would you like to take it in the future? 
because it's been doing so well you've had so many issues and, and <clears throat> me my person I am actually a reader um, as well so I, I'm, I'm curious to, to know what what your plans are with the newsletter that's a good question I had a I had a colleague asking me this last week when he saw there was 399 and then he knew number 400 was coming up and he's like so what's next and I'm like I'll just continue <laughs> I I think yeah sharing more like so of course growing the the readership and I'm I'm saying this because I know some of the content, some of the things people read changed how they saw things, changed how they how they um, did things as a leader or as a as a as a father, as a husband, right? So, um, the more people, of course, we can reach or, or I can reach with the newsletter, and the more people start discussing things, start discussing them at the dinner table or with colleagues. Um, that would help me obviously but I think that's that's as far as I thought so yeah just growing my my um my readership but no other plans but maybe I need to need to reassess that and, and think about other things well I mean I'll do that I promise <laughs> yeah, that's fine. I think, think the newsletter is great um and it, it crosses across a number of different things and it's and it's controversial, which I think is needed as well in sometimes in, um, because it's not all about the great stuff and all the fluffy stuff. It's really about kind of these are the things that are going on. These are some of the great things that are happening, but also these are some of the things that we really need to look a little bit more closely on and think a little bit harder on. And prompting those conversations is what's actually going to really make the different world of a difference. So I'm glad to hear that you're going to keep going. That's maybe my, <laughs> what my question was around for our listeners i'll definitely be linking um details of the newsletter below this episode i just want to thank you again caroline for speaking with me i think it, the information that you shared today has been wonderful and i feel like it's going to be really helpful for for our listeners no matter where they are in their journey how can people connect with you mm, best via linkedin i think like, so they can connect with me. They can also follow me on Twitter, but I'm most active on LinkedIn. And then they can, of course, uh, message me directly or just follow or yeah, connect with me. And this is also where I post my newsletter. I also have it on ericsson.com and a few other places, but this is um, where I post it. For everybody, I will be linking Caroline's details for her newsletter as well as links to her LinkedIn page as well. So you can connect with her um, through that also. Thank you so much.